Learning to be the light. The thing is, I'm learning it from within. I already am the light. I am the light. Capital L. I am the light. Can we say that together? I am the light. So if I am the light, what do I have to learn? Well, learning in this case would be the same as remembering. And it would be remembering how to apply it and where to apply it. And remembering it again and again and again until it just becomes habit, habit nature. So, so because the, letting our light shine should not be a special occasion. Yeah, that, that, that should be the norm. A special occasion would be when we fall short of the light. Fortunately, because we're in such a habit of remembering the light, we'll remember it so fast on those times we forget. Thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. But we go from there. I, I thought we would do a series on our ancestors of New Thought. Now, I'm not going to do a bio on all of these people. I've been doing it on Fridays for the most part uh, for a while there. I was doing the Antecedents of New Thought. I, not For this series, I'm calling it the Ancestors of New Thought. Uh, <clears throat> this is not a class for the intellect. We're not here to please the intellectual, although we hope we do. But but it's it's to tell how, how far back some of our principles go. They go way back further than 1886 when the Fillmores started this practice, their practice. It goes back before Mary Baker Eddy, although she's not part of the New Thought movement. Christian science is not part of that for, for various reasons, and you can look that up if you would like to. But the, the New Thought movement, also called Higher Thought, but not to be confused with Higher Thinking. It's good to know this. And uh, New Thought is also not to be confused with New Age. Very different, very different ways of going about things. But it's a spiritual movement which coalesced in the United States in the early 19th century. Uh, New Thought was preceded by Ancient Thought. Accumulated wisdom and philosophy, philosophy from a variety of origins, such as Ancient Greek, Roman, Egyptian, Chinese, Taoist, Vedic, Hindu, and Buddhist cultures and their related belief systems. Primarily regarding the interaction between uh, thought, belief, consciousness in the human mind and the effects of these within and beyond the human mind. So what it tells us is what we, what we see is not the reality of what is. But our idea behind it becomes our reality. It's the divine ideas that we, we create, even if we're wrong, it can become our reality because it becomes our experience. And, and we need to, uh, so it's not about the physicality of, of our world that, that we see. New thought holds that infinite intelligence or God, as, as we call it, is everywhere, is everywhere, is spirit is the totality of real things. True human selfhood is divine. Divine thought is a force for good. Keep that in mind. Divine thought is a force for good. That's why you want divine thoughts, because you want that force for good. You want that force for good that could enable 
total and complete and instantaneous healing, if possible, despite what our past is telling us. That, that force for good can provide prosperity now, despite what our past is telling us. That force for good can provide love in all its many forms and shapes and sizes, despite what our past is telling us. And yes, that force for good can provide a parking space, despite <laughs> what our past is telling us. <laughs> You know, I could even do that. We are all powerful manifestors, despite what our past is telling us, or may be telling us. I, I, has anybody had anything in their past that would tell you, you cannot be a powerful manifester? Yeah, yeah, there's lots of things. Not getting a parking place can be a way. Uh, parents who believed in the opposite of manifestation and that they just repeated those stories around the house all the time. One of, one of my favorite stories from my childhood is money is your best friend and there's not enough of it. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful gift to pass along to your, to your children? <clears throat> they meant no harm. They really didn't. Uh, in this case, it was my grandmother. She never wanted to hurt me in any way. But it is what she believed. And whenever she came into money, it was luck. And, uh, and something to, almost to be frightened of. And so because her past had told her things when she was a child. And her mother's past had told her things. And so what I decided, I'm not going to agree with my mother's past or my grandmother's past, or their mother's past. I'm not going to agree with that. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm not going to agree that I can't have my good. As you've heard me say before, that I wasn't going to agree that I wasn't old enough to drive a car at 12. I wasn't going to agree with a lot of things. But with that, it expanded my belief in possibility. Because I, <clears throat> the only way I was going to survive in joy was to experiment with life and prove certain things, prove certain fallacies wrong and prove other theories correct. As I said before, until you prove the power of healing, you don't know that healing is possible. You only know about healing. And some of us can read all the books on healing and pass it along and not have that healing. And, uh, wow, what? Don't, don't give up your chance. When I came into unity, now for, when I went into 12-step uh, healing, I, uh, there was a big man in the front of the room one night that said, God has better things in store for you than anything you could ever imagine. And he didn't say it just to me, he said it to the whole room, but I took it personally. And I thought, wow, better than anything. And I believed him. I believed him 100% because that was logical to me. That made sense because otherwise there's no point in having a God. If God isn't going to be good, God is worthless. If God is just there to punish us, 
and uh, to enable others to instill guilt on us, well, who needs that? I'd rather have the loneliness of no God than the power and presence of the God I happen to understand and believe in. When I say understand, it doesn't mean intellectually understand. It means I, that I know. So when this, this big man in the front of the room said that, better than anything you could ever imagine, and I could imagine some pretty wild things, as I'm sure you can too. And then I thought, what is serenity? And I realized I couldn't imagine serenity. That was more than I could imagine. Because I was under the illusion that if I got all that stuff, the cars, the money, whatever, I would have serenity. And, uh, but no, all that does is cause more anxiety, quite frankly, if you don't know what to do with them. It's not saying you can't have cars and money and whatever stuff, but learn what to do with them before you acquire them. And so serenity, that was more than I could imagine. What a gift that guy gave me that night. I've received so many spiritual promises in my life. Because then when I came into unity a few years later, I was promised he, all healing is possible. All healing. Because there, let's face it, there is sickness we're not aware of, and we don't call it that. The mental stuff, the emotional stuff, uh, the belief in lack, limitation, which is, which is emotional and uh, mental. The healing from all that is possible. And I've watched people over the years try to use their prosperity tools to pretend to prosper. You know, that, oh, if I do this and I say these words, I'm going to prosper. And, and then they don't, and they become disillusioned, and they leave the church. They leave unity, they leave uh, new thought, let's say, in general, because they feel that uh, their teachers were wrong. See, I can't prosper. They told me I could. And it's because they didn't really believe. If they held on to their past, if they held on to their very strong beliefs in the physical as a reality, then uh, was it going to happen? So our friend Plato, he gave us metaphysical. That's he, he initiated. Before I go all the way to that, I want to go just a little bit more on New Thought. Uh, new Thought holds that infinite intelligence or God is everywhere. Spirit is the reality of all things. Or, or, excuse me, spirit is the totality of real things. True human selfhood is divine. Divine thought is a force for good. Sickness originates in the mind. And right thinking has a healing effect. Do we hear that? Right thinking. Now, right thinking isn't human thinking. Right thinking is true thinking. Well, what is true? That which cannot be changed. That which cannot be altered. That is true. And so, in true thinking, I can have my healing. So anyway, uh, although New Thought is neither monolithic or nor doctrinaire in general, modern-day adherents of New Thought share some core beliefs. God, or infinite intelligence, is supreme, universal, and everlasting. Divinity dwells within each person that all people are spiritual beings. Do you have any idea of how much good we miss out on by refusing to believe that some people are not spiritual beings. 
oh, it's a bear, I know. It's, oh, that kind of forgiveness work. They say, oh, really? That one's a spiritual being? Yes, that doesn't mean they behave well. <laughs> but, yes, they're a spiritual being because they are of God. How do I know this? Because I didn't behave well. And I've been forgiven so many times for so many things. I've done far worse to myself than anybody else has ever done to me. I, uh, I've done some awful things to other people, and I've been forgiven for it. I have forgotten on a daily basis and still could know I am good because I can't not be good. So it's important to pay attention. All beings are spiritual beings. There we go. The highest spiritual principle is loving one another unconditionally. It's like, really? And teaching and healing one another. And <laughs> our mental states are carried forward into manifestation and become our experience in daily living. So elements of new thought may be traced to Plato. Plato Platonism, excuse me, based on the idealism of the of the fifth, fourth century BC Greek philosopher Plato, who held that the realm of ideas is more real than that of matter. The realm of idea, like this, this book, you can look at it two different ways. It's a book. It's paper. It's got a lot of words in it. But is this? the totality of the realm of ideas. If I were to lose this book and never find another copy of it, do the ideas that are in this book evaporate? No. And so therefore the ideas are real. The book is not. <laughs> I like your... <laughs> the book is not real. Why? Because it can be destroyed. I put it over this candle. Suddenly this book will not exist except in the realm of ideas. Important to notice that. Uh, relationships. Sometimes personalities get in the way of relationships. And two beings with personalities need to pull apart. Does that mean all the good that took place before should be negated? Does that mean there was never a divine relationship? No, it's in the ideas, the divine ideas that brought two people together for whatever reason. And if we could accept more about the divine ideas that pull people apart so that they can go on to the next divine idea, the next divine idea. And it's important to pay attention to that. And part of that pulling apart is for the experience of grief. It is for the experience of mourning. It is for the experience of knowing, oh, this is what separation feels like. This is what this feels like. And I'm so grateful for the togetherness that we had in a physical realm. And I will never be apart from that person in my mind. Does this make sense? Yeah. yeah, we'll never be apart in our mind. We'll never be apart because the fact is, I can't know you. At least not and, and describe you. Because if I were to describe, well, we'll use David as an example. For me to describe David, it's going to be a different description than anybody else has of him. 
And David to describe me is different than how you would describe me because he knows me differently. And, and so therefore, his realm of divine ideas is different than yours, but they're still very real because they create his experience. So the classic, tr classical tradition of thought, going back to the ancient Greeks, 500 years before Jesus, and especially from through these three fellows, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, You'd be amazed at well, how much we believe today on a whole variety of subjects is from these three guys. It's impressive. It really is. Socrates, who started the whole idea of questioning everything that we believe in, a tradition carried on by our own founders, Myrtle and Charles Fillmore. They questioned everything. Charles, really, I mean, he... He really went to town questioning all that because he, his thing was, unless I could communicate directly with Source, all this stuff, all the spiritual stuff is a fraud. It's just all intellect. And people, yes, people are having some healings, but are they going to be permanent? And he decided, fine, they keep saying they're communicating with Spirit, but unless I can do it, it's not true. So each one of us in this room has to prove it for ourselves that we can communicate directly with spirit. You guys in uh, TV land there, you have to co communicate directly with spirit or the thing is a fraud and you're going to be making all this stuff up on your own and, and then wonder when it falls short, it's like, well, I thought I had it. I thought I had, I thought I figured it out. And that was your downfall. You thought you had to figure it out. It's already figured out. Often when I'm in a, uh, an uncomfortable situation, where there's conflict or there's differences of opinion, which is conflict, uh, I will just go in for briefly and say, okay, Spirit, tell me the truth here. Tell me what's actually going on here so that I may react in truth rather than my ego. And I always, always know exactly what to say or do. Always. I don't always get the intellect, well, Sean, say this and then do this. It's not that. I just intuitively know what to say and do to bring about peace in this moment. And I have, it has never failed as long as I am relying on the highest aspect of myself. And that highest aspect is what connects us. In the highest aspect, Christ in me beholds the Christ in you. And so to pay attention to that is really great. So Plato came up with the idea of metaphysics, although uh, his, his student Aristotle actually coined the term metaphysics, believe it or not. The quest for true being beneath, behind, above, or within the idea that there were deeper truths and higher realities to be grasped, grasped by, excuse me, I got cotton mouth here. from my very elegant china. <laughs> ah, that's different. There were deeper truths and higher realities to be grasped of the inquiring contemplative mind. That came from Plato. He looked at the forms, the essence of ideas that we can see in our mind's eye or understand with our mind but not see in the physical world. There was also a wonderful philosopher of antiquity named Plotinus who saw the universe in the terms of a deep underlying unity which he called the one 
and identified it with Plato's idea of the good. We can thank Plato when a prayer chaplain says, I see you whole, healthy, and perfect. How can this be said when my physical body is obviously less than perfect? It is so because my essential nature is in fact perfect. That's why I called the talk My Essential Nature. My essential nature is in fact perfect. Could we say that together? My essential nature is in fact perfect. It is so because my essential nature is in fact perfect but is being expressed as something less. There is an ideal which is perfect and that ideal is what Plato called a form. Plato tried to solve the problem of living a fulfilling, happy life in a world that always changes and ultimately takes away everything that I came to love and cherish, such as my body. Plato approached the problem by splitting up existence into two realms, the material realm and the transcendent realm of forms. Humans have access to the realm of forms through the mind. This gives them access to an unchanging world invulnerable to the pains and changes of the material world. We perceive a different world with different objects. Through our mind than we do through the senses, it is the material world perceived through the senses that is changing. It is the realm of forms perceived through the mind that is permanent and immutable. The universe shapeshifts with our thoughts. My example always is have you ever lost your keys? You leave the room and you come back and there are your keys. The universe shapeshifts. I, so many things I've, I have lost that were right where I left them. And I knew somebody took them, somebody did something, and they were there when I changed my thought. Okay, one last thing I'm going to read here is from the book of Luke. <coughs> This comes from Luke chapter 6, starts with verse 37. Everything that you see and experience, you see and experience through the filter of your mind. There could be no exception, this is always true. And this is why you can see or experience something in one way and have one opinion or belief about it, and another one can seem to see or experience it in another way and have another opinion or belief. All of the seeing is occurring through the ego mind, which does not see at all. It interprets. The ego mind is itself a seeming split, apart from the Christ mind, which is one. Since the ego mind is a split or fraction, its perspective or viewpoint is not whole. Since it is not whole, it, does not, it is not knowledge, which is why it interprets. So... Let's go into our day and the rest of our life knowing we interpret what we see. And until we ask what it is we are seeing in truth, in light, and wisdom, we will not see it differently. And we will try to maintain the illusion and try to make the illusion true. Metaphysics. Don't believe what you see in the world. There is so much more 
there is so much more than what we have uh, described it as, to what is what we have told ourselves it is. It's bigger, it's better, and God is in it. Thank you.